Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing you a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into this particular episode from. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage and welcome to today's episode um we welcome uh, a first time guest to the podcast um neil sonmez have i pronounced that correctly perfectly thank neil you sonmez thank, thank you very you. much well neil thank you very much for joining the podcast today um neil is the global brand director for the heroes events which is part of the easy fairs group easy fairs being one of the the top 20 um, event companies in the world um with a global portfolio and neil has joined today's podcast to talk to us about the expansion that the group made into pop culture events um in 2015 Neil, welcome to the podcast and tell us first of all, um, I suppose a bit of the history about Easy Fairs, just so that anybody who may not be fully aware of them has a context to how big this group is. Yeah, I mean, we are quite large now, uh, more than 700 uh, employees uh, based in Brussels, our headquarters is in Brussels, but with offices uh, in uh, the UK, in Madrid, in, Spain, in, um, in the Nordic countries, in France, um, in Germany, in, in Switzerland. So we're uh, organizing more than uh, 200 events around the globe at the moment, um, mostly uh, B2B events. And we expanded, uh, as you said, in 2015, we started to expand our portfolio also in pop culture. We had already uh, quite uh, um, a few uh, B2C events, but pop culture was not part of the portfolio and uh, that started in 2015 with the acquisition of Facts in, uh, in Belgium, the leading Comic-Con in, in Benelux and uh, that was only the, the first of a series of events. And so it all began with the acquisition of uh, a, a, a pop culture event, a Comic-Con um, event, which the vast majority of our, of our podcast listeners and watchers will be aware of Comic-Con events because this is something that's exploded in the last decade or so yes. and become a, a huge part of the events industry because of the, the, the global phenomenon that pop culture has, has become. Um, why was the decision made to, to, to step away from what was, as you say, mostly a B2B events company? Why was the decision made suddenly to just acquire a, a, a major and established Comic-Con style event? I mean, Easy Fairs is not only organizing events. As you said, it's a top 20 event organizing company. Um, so yes, 200 events around the globe, but also a venue owner company. So we own venues in Belgium um, and we own venues in Sweden and in the Netherlands. Uh, as such, of course, one of the goals when you own venues is to fill them with events. Uh, so we, we get events from third parties, organizers, of course, but you also want to fill those, ve those venues with your own events. Um, so when you organize B2B events, you have a lot of events that happen during the week, usually. Mm -hmm. um, one way of filling those and maximizing the occupation rate of your venue is to organize also events during the weekend. And one of the best ways to do that is to do it with pop culture event and, and, and Comic-Cons. There are other ways to do it, but Comic-Cons is one way of doing it. We had um, seen at one of our venues at Flanders Expo in Belgium, 
uh, FAX had been an event there for, for a long time. It's an event that this year celebrated its uh, uh, 30th anniversary. So it's been there for a long, long time. But, um, but we had witnessed the success of the event for, for years. And so it was you know, natural at some point that we looked into it uh, closely and we decided that uh, we would discuss with the owners and it was the first event that we decided to acquire in, a, in, a, in the pop culture field. In terms of the, the skill set and the knowledge that is required to run and understand an event like this, um, the events, the pop culture events and the Comic-Con events are attended by aficionados and, and people who know every last detail of this culture down to the absolute minute detail. How important is it that, uh, and how important was it that the company was able to bring in expertise and people who understood these events, given that it was something that they didn't have any prior experience of running? I think that it's, it's true and it's, it's a little bit more than that. Actually, you need to have passionate people um, because it's an industry that requires you to really go deeply into it. I mean, any of industry, when you run events, you need to understand your community. You need to understand, um, yeah, you need to understand what you're actually dealing with really deeply. So that's, that's true for any type of content and of community you're dealing with. In terms of, of the Comic-Con industry, it's true that you better like what you're doing because you're going to be so... It's a, it's a very specific type of, of uh, thing you're dealing with. So mm -hmm. you, you have to love the geek culture. Um, you have to be a geek yourself, I think. And all the teams that I work with, they are geeks. They love what they're doing. Um, they spend time in their free time. That's, they breathe the geek culture. So it's true. Um, at the same time, they're consumer professionals. So if you want to bring those events to the level of uh, professionalism and the level of excellency that we want to do in this company, you also have to have geeks that are absolute consumer professionals that know how to run an event. Because at the end of the day, those are also events. Uh, it's not just, you know, a geek party. Yeah? So if you want to do them at the, at the next level, you need to have people that are event organizers. So they are geek event organizers. <laughs> and when, uh, that, that is one of the challenges of, of working within the Comic-Con industry is understanding the industry and having that, that understanding of the culture. But one of the other challenges, presumably, is the fact that this is a very, very popular marketplace. The Comic-Con industry now is, is worth billions globally. And these types of events happen all over the world. So when the decision was made and the acquisition was made of the facts um, uh, event that was already well established, how was the plan structured in order to be able to, to compete with other Comic-Con style events that were running? Yeah, I mean, the, the, as you know, the business is booming um, and it goes in every direction. I mean, it's, uh, you have the classic Comic-Cons and then we have, of course, the anime conventions because our portfolio is, is Comic-Cons and anime conventions. Mm -hmm. But then you have other format that popped up and continue to pop up. So the niche conventions that takes place in, in smaller venues, whether it's hotels and, or a smaller type of, of, uh, of venues in city centers, Mm -hmm. um, so not in exhibition uh, centers that are usually not in the center of the city, yeah. uh, but are in the outskirts of the cities. So those, those conventions are usually require less investment. They are run with lower cost. Um, they are much more centered around the guests that you get. 
uh, it's a very different business model, uh, but we, of course, compete with those, with those formats. So we have to adapt rapidly because um, our guests also expect from us, um, because we are general conventions, to bring uh, a content that is as strong for that guest uh, dimension that a niche convention, although we are not the same type of event. So it is changing uh, completely the, the, the way we, we, we have to, to envision, not completely, but it's changing uh, slightly the way we have to run our events. It doesn't mean that um, our events stop being general comic cons or stop being general manga shows. But um, I think when you, when you see the number of events that pop up, for as many events that pop up, you have also many events that disappear very quickly mm -hmm. because the quality of the event will also define how long they will last. Um, many events uh, are organized by people that are not so professional and just try it because they see how, how um, hot the business becomes. Um, so it's, it's about us making what we do um, the best we can um, and I think improving the quality of our event and making sure that uh, that uh, that's that I think that the people who will stay in this business are the people who can bring the best contents uh, in their their shows because that's what fans are going to look for they're mm -hmm. going to look for the differentiation the differentiation into the the events in terms of content in terms of quality and they're going to keep the best Absolutely. Um, we've, we've mentioned uh, the Facts Show, which was in uh, Brussels, did you say? It's in Ghent. It's in, in Ghent, yes. And, um, and that's where it all began and the, 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 the foray into the pop culture um, event world. You now have the Heroes brand as well, which is a series of, of uh, uh, multiple events that the Heroes brand covers. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about, about that and how that began and, and how that has developed and grown? So from FACTS, we expanded. So first of all, FACTS was one event when we acquired it and we launched a second FACTS. So we had one FACTS in the fall, we, we launched a FACTS in the spring. So it's two events per year uh, for a total of uh, more than 80,000 visitors during uh, the year uh, in Ghent. Uh, we then expanded to the Netherlands where we have also the leading show in the Netherlands with a Heroes Dutch Comic Con in Utrecht. Um, so this is uh, also our leading show there. We also expanded in our venue in Stockholm, in Schista. We have Heroes Comic Con Stockholm, uh, which will uh, run this year in September. And it's been three editions already, mm -hmm. uh, which is very focused also this one on gaming. Um, a very nice show also. Um, we expanded in Spain where we acquired sm two small shows that we made much bigger. Uh, we have a Comic Con show there and a manga show. And we launched an event last year in Valencia um, that uh, the, the shows in Spain are extremely strong also as comics convention. They're among the best comics convention you will find in Europe. Um, and uh, this year we expanded also by acquiring another show in Belgium, uh, which uh, you may know, it's the biggest uh, pop culture event in Benelux. It's made in Asia. So we had the leading Comic Con in Benelux with facts. And it was a nice compliment to have also the biggest anime convention in Benelux, um, made in Asia. Uh, it's uh, 70,000 visitors in, in, uh, in three days mm -hmm. um, in Brussels, this one. We didn't have an event in Brussels, so it was great to expand to the French-speaking part of the country because FAX is more dedicated to the Flemish-speaking part of the country, even if we have a lot of 
of French speakers that come to facts. Uh, but Medinesia is really, you know, the French speaking part of the country loves the anime pop culture. So mm -hmm. for them, it's, uh, it's ideal. Absolutely. You mentioned um, that in the, the Heroes Comic Con event in, in Sweden, um, there's a big uh, leaning towards uh, the gaming uh, side of the culture. Yes. And I think it's important to understand, isn't it, that within comic cons and within pop culture, there are lots and lots of different subcultures and lots of different groups of people who will have a particular interest in one particular part of, of, of the subcultures that make up this overall term. Um, now that you're running a portfolio of heroes events and, and, and will include facts in that as well in Ghent, um, how important is it that for each particular event you identify where the strengths and weaknesses are within those particular subcultures? So in one event you might have a particular leaning towards the gaming side of things. In another event you may have a leaning towards superhero movies. Another one it might be TV shows or, or manga cartoons. Um, how is it identified and will you structure them differently depending on what the local interest is? I think it's a very good question. I think the, the, the basic thing we want to do when, when we integrated those events under the umbrella brand of Heroes last year, 2017, um, we, we didn't want to have everything done the same way. So those events were run regionally, like we do many, many things at Easy Fairs. We have very strong regional offices, regional teams. Um, there was never an, a question that it would be done um, by a central office doing everything the same way. All the Comic-Cons would have the same recipes. All our manga shows would have the same recipe. The, the shows have their own local regional specificities and they cater to, uh, uh, to local communities. The communities are not the same. The community for a manga show in Spain is not the same community as Made in Asia in Belgium. And mm -hmm. the community of Made in Asia in, in Brussels is not the same community as Facts in Ghent. They are all very specific communities. Um, that's why we are not handling them as one single community. It's not a hero's community. We have community manager for each one of our shows, handling really and, and talking to the community, not uh, 30 days before the show or 60 days before the show, talking to our community 365 days a year and establishing a very close relationship with the communities making sure that the fans interact with us all year long and that it's, it's a rendezvous, it's really a meeting point that they have every year with the event. Um, so when you're absolutely right to say that each event has its own specificity. Mm -hmm. uh, the community of Stockholm is looking forward to the gaming aspect of the show every year. Uh, it doesn't mean that we are not going to develop other content for that show. We are doing it this year. Um, there will be a very um, interesting content in terms of all the brands that will be present uh, with content there. And also we're developing streaming content in Stockholm this year. So we are continuously developing new content for the shows and sort of one recipe that's working there and it's going to stay like this. No, the show has to evolve. But still, that show has a specific identity. The same way Facts has been for a long time a show that is a general Comic-Con. Um, but uh, has its own specificity, a very strong uh, artist alley, and uh, um, people love their the fantasy world of you know sure. uh, Harry Potter and uh, and um, Lord of the Rings. So yeah, facts has its own identity. Um, and as I said, Madrid is a very strong comics convention. 
So they all have the specificity and we're not going to copy paste. It's never going to be like that at Heroes. Mm -hmm. But the brand allows you to obviously move the show and open up new possibilities in new locations and in new venues under a, 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 a single brand yes. whilst understanding all of those subcultures beneath it. I think the brand allows us to several things. Um, the reason we, we created this brand is obviously to find synergies. Um, and my role is there to wherever I can find a synergy and help the teams locally um, to gain from those synergies, I will do it. So whether it's to discuss uh, with the A brands, with the big brands at group level, or whether it's to discuss with agents in terms of guest booking at group level, I will do it and I will help the regional team do it. Um, the brand also Heroes is, I think, a, a quality label. Um, we know that anybody that comes, whether it's an agent booking uh, one of its biggest talents to one of our shows and seeing how um, well they are uh, hosted by our show mm. and knowing that if they go to another show of ours, they can expect the same level of, of hospitality. Um, I think that that's one thing that we want to do is create some trust, trust, you know, level of confidence mm -hmm. into not only the agents, but also the, the, the fans. If a fan goes to a, a heroes event in any of our countries and they travel to another of our events, they can expect that the level of professionalism they've seen to in any of our shows, they can expect it in any of our other shows. Mm -hmm. um, so that brand that's this umbrella brand um, brings a level of confidence uh, with any of our stakeholders, whether it's the fans, whether it's the exhibition, exhibitors, of course, the exhibitors, because they travel to several of our shows. Um, yes. As we know, many of the, these exhibitors travel across uh, borders. Um, so yes, all the stakeholders have to rely on the Heroes brand as being this quality label that we are establishing. And when it comes um, to accessing these communities of people, um, has social media made it easier or more difficult to access the communities? Because I suppose the, the, first, the, the instinct for most people would be, oh, this is easy. You can access all of these communities online now via social media platforms and find out what they want and what they don't want and what their current trends are, et cetera, et cetera. But I also guess there's a flip side to that coin where because there must be such a vast amount of information now on the internet, it could make it a real difficult task to try and collate everything that you could possibly collate about the, the communities. Absolutely. Uh, but I mean, social media for this type of event, social media is, is a must. Um, as I mentioned to you, we have community manager and their, their everyday um, job, but also it's a pleasure for them is to interact through social media with the fans. Mm. Um, so the community is a social media community. So we interact on Twitter, we interact on Instagram, and of course we interact on Facebook all day long with them. Um, and it's sharing news, you know, it's sharing the latest updates in the, in the geek world. It's, um, uh, it's sharing the, the, the latest trends. It's, uh, sharing, of course, what's going on in the show, you know, what are the, the, the what guest is coming and, and seeing how they react and getting their feedback on how, uh, they like what they see. Um, of course, you know, there is a challenge to that is that, uh, I mean, there are good things and bad things about social media. So yes, mm -hmm. you have to, uh, to take, um, into account what they say you have to, um, take in, I mean, you have to hear the feedback. Um, yes. but, but 
we all know that social media sometimes is uh, a, is a difficult tool. I mean, Facebook has been very difficult to play with at, uh, lately. Mm-hmm. Um, the algorithm has been change as you know Uh, Mm. so interacting and and enriching people through facebook has not been as easy as it used to be so that's been challenging for us um so yeah but we're we have other ways of of reaching our community and and they continue to to reach out to us sure and and uh with the 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 network now as i understand it with the with the shows you have um nine events um, running right across Europe, um, 11. Uh, 11 events. Um, and are there, are there plans to increase this portfolio or do you think that at the moment the, the market is, is not saturated, but is, is certainly at a point where you're happy to plateau for a bit? I think we expanded quickly. I mean, uh, 11 events, uh, since 2015, it, it went very fast. Um, as I mentioned to you, the, the priority will be given to events we can have in our own venues. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there is an opportunity there to have another one, which might happen, uh, we will do it. Um, if we see other opportunities, I mean, they need to be like anything we do at Easy Fairs, it needs to be done in a very um, logical, I mean, I would say any company will tell you the same, but it needs to be done in a very logical way. We like to be leaders in the market we operate in. Mm-hmm. So in the geographies we are in, um, that's one of the uh, strategic objective we have. Um, mm. If we're not, so we're probably not going to do it. Another point is we like to do it, of course, in, in countries where we have teams. So like we did for Medinesia, it was not our, our venue, uh, but we have a team in Belgium established. We were already leaders in Comic-Con in Belgium. Um, and we had already a relationship with the previous owner. So it made sense. So there needs to be like a, a clear a clear path for us to make an acquisition in this uh, in the pop culture field. Um, so I'm not saying no, we're not going to expand. We are actually looking at potential events, but um, but I'm not going to tell you it's going to grow um, like it did for the past three years. Sure. Um, g- going back to the the communication and the contact and the marketing element um, of of promoting these shows, I was speaking to somebody on the podcast just a few weeks ago about the use of influencer marketing and this may be something that that, that is very very relevant in your sector and by influencer marketing i suppose the easiest way to describe it to people would be people who have a youtube channel with seven million followers you know these are are now influential people who may not be famous outside of a particular sector or outside of a particular community but within that community they're seen as somebody who is very very relevant and who is a leading figure um have you utilized the the um I suppose the growing network of, of what people that are seen as influencers now, especially online influencers. Um, actually we have not. Um, we indirectly sometimes we benefit from it. Um, I mean, when you invite Gillian Anderson to one of your events and she tweets about the fact that coming to your convention and it's going to be one of our last convention, obviously you have immediately, uh, uh, you, you have immediately, uh, I don't know how many thousands of, of, uh, sure, of people yeah. who, bene- who know about your event. So when you invite guests, you, they are influencers of your events immediately. Um, so we, we use that and we benefit from that. Um, but we are, not, no, we are not really using the YouTubers, except the ones we, we invite uh, mm-hmm. who are influencing for, on our behalf. Um, but then we're looking for 
actually we have discussions ongoing with other types of platforms who are using um, yeah, ambassadors, which are, yeah. may not be uh, influencers as such, but ambassadors who may be you and me um, who are playing the role of ambassadors. So there are interesting uh, platforms developing as we, as we speak um, that, are, that are clever business models that may be useful in the future for events like ours. Uh, and I guess that the market, particularly in this, in this particular sector, it must move so quickly. It must literally be a case of every day coming in and there are new developments, there are new things happening, there are new things that you have to understand and find out about. Um, is it very much a case that every single day is different? You may have the list of things that you want to do that day, but that could change completely because something new has been announced. Um, yes and no. I would say that this type of, uh, yes, I mean, it's a moving industry, as you know, the pop culture industry. I mean, there are news every day, um, especially because we all know that the movie industry and the TV industry are, are shaken the last few years by the, you know, today we, uh, we heard that uh, Warner Brothers is, is launching a streaming platform. Mm. Um, that's news. Um, so obviously we have to take that into account and, and the players are changing. Uh, but for Comic-Con, it's still a recipe that is quite classical. I'm saying it doesn't mean that we do not have to look for ways to make it more, more interesting because I don't think we can run this the way we've run it forever and the way it's been run forever without the fans getting at some point tired of it. So obviously we need to reinvent it, to reinvent the formula. Uh, uh, and we are looking for ways to make the content more interesting and more uh, relevant um, for, based on the way the industry is changing. So yes, um, it's absolutely something that we're looking into, but, but it, the pace is sustainable, I would say. Um, something that I'd like to, to, to ask, which is a, a, a perhaps on a slightly different track, but, but has direct relevance to, to what we're talking about, um, is the subject of communication and outgoing communication particularly. Um, we did uh, several episodes of the podcast uh, a couple of months ago where we talked about at the time what was the GDPR um, regulations that were coming into effect. Now, this will be the first time that I've been able to ask the question with the new laws now in place. And people in the UK have certainly been uh, bombarded with emails and, and things have got crazy in the last couple of weeks of people trying to get you to opt into their databases and, and, and make sure that you are retained on their contact lists. Um, how, how big uh, an influence has that had on your activities in the last few weeks in light of how important it must be to communicate with your particular audience for these events? I mean, it, it's, it's a gigantic um, subject for the event industry, as you can imagine, because our business runs a lot on database. I mean, it's not a surprise for you. So um, any business that has a database um, is going to be affected by the, by the GDPR um, mm. legislation. So uh, obviously, yes, we are affected like any other event company. Um, and yes, we are absolutely abiding with everything uh, that um, we are doing, everything we have to do. And, uh, and uh, yes, I mean, you, you've I mean, you've received, like I did, uh, hundreds of emails the last yeah. few days. And, um, and yes, we, we are, yeah, as I mentioned, we are doing everything we have to do. For us specifically in Comic-Cons, um, 
for the fans, we're not sending emails specifically uh, to the fans, except when they are registering as, you know, they buy a ticket, mm -hmm. um, then obviously they are opting in, then they're going to receive follow-up email. Um, but most of the communication we have with our fans are through social media. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a different way of, of communicating. Mm. Than, uh, than for the rest of the events. Uh, th th this is why I ask, because, you know, it, it, different events will have different ways of communicating. For certain types of B2B event, the new legislation will represent perhaps a bigger challenge to them where yes. a lot of their communication is done via email to business customers. In your particular sector, again, uh, one of the reasons for asking the question is that with, with a lot of communication perhaps taking place via social media platforms, then even though algorithms change and you have to maybe rethink your tactics a little bit, perhaps it's not affected you as much as it would do other no. events. No, it won't. And, um, and you're absolutely right. It's, uh, for us, it's, it is a social media community. So um, they interact with us like that and they are not expecting us to send them any emails um, unless, again, they decide. And it's, we're not emailing our database of visitors from one edition to the other. Um, we're never doing that. So it's, it's really the visitors that are going to be buying a ticket to the next edition that then will get an email from us. Um, if we have a reason to send them an email, by the way, um, regarding updates, um, you know, new contents that they should know about. Okay. We're launching the sales of photos today. You should probably be aware that there will be that guest is joining. And so there are newsletters that are going to be sent after that by email, but, um, but not, there will be no general emailing um, to, to our visitors like that. We've been um, talking on the podcast today to Nil Sonmez. Nil is the global brand director for the Heroes portfolio of events, which is part of the Easy Fairs group. Um, and we've been talking about the company's expansion into the world of pop culture and into the Comic-Con style events in 2015, which has now seen them expand the portfolio to, uh, as I was correct earlier, 11 events taking place across Europe. Um, Nil, if any of our listeners and followers would like to find out a little bit more about the Heroes uh, portfolio of events, how can they track you down? Easily. They go to our uh, corporate portal, uh, which is a brand portal. It's uh, heroes.live. And uh, they can find uh, contact details and they can find also a link to all our individual websites. Fantastic. And it's, it's been very interesting talking to you on the podcast today. Thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the show. I know you're the first time you've been on the show with us. So yes. we thank you very much for your time today and for the insight. Um, if anybody wants to, to get any questions to us or has got any suggestions for uh, follow-ups to this particular episode or episodes they would like to see us uh, put out as part of the podcast series, please do get in touch. Uh, at Event News Blog is the Twitter handle. And you can search for Event Industry News on various social media platforms and uh, you'll be able to get questions to us. The podcast itself is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. Thank you once again to Neil for joining us today. Thanks, we will see you on the next episode of the Event Industry News podcast. But for now, my name is James Dixon. Thank you very much for, uh, for tuning in and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.